Welcome to Key 3 Educators, helping you excel as a Christian school leader, educator, or homeschooler as you outfit students to learn themselves, love God, and live connected. Here's your host, Stephanie Smith. Welcome back to Key 3 Educators. Today we are having guest Gina Prosh, and we are a huge fan of hers here in the Jefferson City, Missouri area. Gina is not only an author and a home educator, she's also an incredibly gifted teacher, especially in the areas of literature and history. And we have been very fortunate that she served on our local home education board for several years. And she was also the lead of a homeschooling co-op for several years in our area. And I know that home education and many co-ops that are starting as home education is really exploding across the United States right now. And so we're going to focus today on just hearing from Gina some of the things that she has learned and is going to share with us about how you effectively lead both a co-op and how you serve in a leadership capacity with a home education organization. And so it's going to be a, a conversation with somebody who knows her stuff. And there are principles here that whether you are applying these in a very small area or you have a very large organization. So I invite you to lean in and listen. And so Gina, thank you so much for being on the show with us today and sharing your wisdom and knowledge. Well, thank you for having me. This is fun. Absolutely. So let's start with the co-op. And can you just kind of Explain to our listeners because there's no one size fits all for co-op. So can you just kind of give a little bit of the of the structure of what this particular co-op has been like, and so people can kind of have an understanding of that. And then any comments that you want to make about that structure and over the course of your participation and leadership, what you would advise people today who are perhaps starting a co-op or they have one and maybe it needs to be tweaked or maybe needs an overhaul. Yeah. Um, so I worked with the Jefferson City Home Educators for many years, first as a teacher at our local co-op and then as the director of, of the, org, uh, the organizational co-op. And one of the things that um, I can see is that it was such a gift to our family and I know to other families as it gave our kids an opportunity to come together and have that experience of being in a classroom with other kids, while at the same time being fully home educated and and doing doing their own things at home. So it was it was a really wonderful experience. Um, things to think about if you are wanting to start a co-op, um, you know, you're going to need a place to be. So you might want to to consider where and how you're going to structure that. Are you going to be a co-op that meets at a park? And, you know, like you're a play co-op and maybe it's a different um, a, a different game every week. And, you know, some days it's Mother May I and other days it's Red Rover. Um, you know, those kinds of playground games that, that are there for kids. It might be a more academic co-op that would be for older kids. Um, our co-op ran from zero to high school and, you know, zero to graduation. So we had a huge uh, span of ages, but 
we concentrated always on the ages of seven to 12th grade um, because those were the ages of like the mandatory homeschool. Yeah, for our Missouri state law says that you have to home educate beginning at or educate your child beginning at age seven through 16, but you know, then graduation. Um, so um, that was that was our age range. But because many of the the people who had kids that are seven or eight or nine, they would have had younger siblings. And so in order for those people to participate, they wanted a place for those younger kids to to go to. So um, we we had a nursery that was like zero to age two. Then we had the um, three and four year old pre-K kind of age range, a kindergarten age range, and then first and second graders. Um, then we had a group that was third, fourth, and fifth, and then another group that was you know sixth, seventh, and eighth, that middle school range, and then the high school range. So it was a it was a large and really dynamic, um, exciting group to be a part of. What would you say are the strengths of that model and what are the vulnerabilities of a model with that wide of an age span? Um, the strengths of that sort of model are the just the amazing breadth of what you can you can do in a class uh, or do classes about our classes were taught by parent volunteers and so honestly from one term to the next term we had no idea what would be what would necessarily be taught you know you might have dissections and you know you've got somebody with a bunch of cow eyeballs that they're chopping up in the in the kitchen we had cooking classes and in, you know embroidery and sewing classes i taught literature classes writing classes um you know, so just a wide range of of things. Uh, one of the challenges is getting those parents involved and willing to to volunteer. I think that as time has gone on, there's been more of a uh, maybe a drop off mentality where, hey, I want a really great dynamic co op, and I'm going to drop my kids off, and I'm going to go. <laughs> you know. It's like, no, actually, it doesn't work that way because this doesn't happen unless we all put in some some effort and, you know, bring our strengths to to bear and and make those classes happen for our kids. Um, That's a that's a big thing. Right. And just to be clear, we're not saying that there is one correct model for a home educators co-op. There's a lot of different models. And one of and for some places it is a drop-off model because teachers are hired and paid. And while that wasn't true for the co-op here, there it also was not an entirely free co-op without any tuition. Right. Yes, it was it was not all free. Um, like I said, you have to find a space. And so we were very lucky to be able to partner with one of the local churches who allowed us to come in. And on Tuesday afternoons from one to four, we had the run of the facility. Now, their willingness to to do that was a huge gift to us. We tried to repay that by giving them a donation Um so that that we're not just like, hey, we're going to come in and we're going to use your water and your electricity and we're, you know, 
um, all of those kinds of things. So we always donated back to the church. And so we had a tuition that was divided up by family so that, you know, we're all, we're all contributing our bit toward the, the tuition. And then if there are costs associated with taking the classes, um, the teachers were asked to come up like, what, what do you think this class is going to cost to put on? So for instance, art classes, if there is a teacher out there and she says, okay, um, there was a, a lady who did meet the masters multiple times. And it was always a different bunch of, of artists, but that means that we're going to have, you know, we need seven canvases because I've got seven kids or I need 12 canvases because I've got 12 kids, you know, and I'm, I need canvas and I need temper paint and I need pastels or I need whatever it is that I need for the stuff that we're going to, that we're going to do. Uh, maybe we're going to make sculptures and I need Sculpey clay or something like that. So the teachers were, were tasked with what's your budget? for this for this class and then if you enrolled your child in this class then you knew that you were going to have a cost per you know per class per per kid in that class so if you had two middle schoolers who wanted to take an art class and the art class was twenty dollars a student you were going to have an additional forty dollar fee to take that class um and that that covered those those types of expenses what are some of the personal issues that for someone again who maybe is looking at starting a co-op or stepping into a leadership role with one that's already established what are some of the issues that a person might not just automatically know stepping into that role that they would need to just be mindful of and and be aware of and perhaps any type of resources that you would recommend in terms of uh, just effective personal leadership roles in that capacity because you're not in a company with somebody who is the boss and can just say randomly you know fire people or, <laughs> right. or whatever but anytime that you're dealing with people and i think sometimes it's harder especially in that volunteer capacity oh to be able yes. to deal with that so what are some of the things that you've learned there that you can share with our okay if you're starting a co-op um please please keep in mind you need insurance. Um, we had a broken arm at our, you know, a kid's out on the playground, kid falls down, kid breaks arm. We've got a broken arm. Um, they take the kid to the hospital and get the arm taken care of. But they say, where, where, where did this accident happen? Well, it happened over here at this place when I was with this homeschool group. And so then it's not the parents, it's the insurance companies. So their medical insurance company talks to the church's insurance because that's where it happened. And the church's insurance says, oh, no, we don't cover that because we're letting this other organization take care of that. So then one, two, three, then they come to the homeschool group. Now, thankfully, just a few years before this, this happened, um, again, I was on the, the homeschool board. We made sure that we, I mean, we lobbied, uh, a friend and I, we lobbied long and hard over the fact that we need some sort of liability insurance for our group because our group is too big. Um, and, you know, you, you need those kinds of things. Um, you know, if you're directing a play and somebody falls off the edge of the stage, 
or get, you know, gets whopped in the head by an, an errant something that, that, you know, uh, falls out of the sky. Um, you, you have to be, you have to be ready for those kinds of things. And so I think having some insurance is a, is a big thing. Um, and just, you know, talk to, talk to insurance agents and you'll, you'll be able to find something like that. Um, because obviously lots of civic organizations need insurance. And so that's, that's pretty much what you're, what you're going to be looking at. So I think that, that having, um, insurance is just a really, really good practical barrier between your organization and your own personal life, because you don't want your house to be at risk because some kid broke their arm on, on the playground. You know, you you just, you just don't, you just don't want that. Um, uh, another thing is keeping in mind that if you are, if you are saying, I want to have an organization where I'm going to bring in a bunch of people who are home educating their kids, you are bringing in a big, big breadth of what, what people are, are, are how people are seeing the world. So for instance, you're going to have people that are very, very conservative Christians. You are going to have people who are very, very liberal Christians, and you're going to be putting them all together in a pot. And then you're going to have to find a way to be careful with that. So you are, you know, what sorts of information are you going to give out about these courses? If you're teaching a science class, you need to make it clear whether or not this is a, you know, um, new earth creation science, intelligent design sort of class. Is this an evolution class? I'm not going to get into the merits of which is right or wrong or up or down, but you have the potential for both of those things to exist within a single umbrella within a co-op if you have a diverse group. And so you need to kind of be aware of what you're, what you're going to be advertising your classes as. You need to be very clear so that people know what they're signing up for. Okay. Anything else that you would recommend uh, just that leaders you know, look at and this arena again. Um, this was this was a ground rule that we had within our co-op, um, and I think that it helped manage expectations. And it was the idea that if you are going to evangelize, it's not going to happen at our co-op. Now, if you say we are all members of this Catholic Church, Lutheran Church, Baptist Church, Assemblies of God Church, and we have a, a an awareness of where everybody is then that might be one thing but our our co-op like literally you've got catholics and baptists and mormons and you know you we had a huge variety of people who were coming to our co-op and it was wonderful but you also need to be very very clear what, what you're not what discussions you're not going to have so that we can all coexist happily in the moment and enjoy being together without feeling like toes are getting stepped on. Also being very, very respectful of the space that you're in. So for instance, if we were in, um, if we're in a, a, a Baptist church, I'm not going to be probably saying, Hey, let's have a, um, a class that's going to be advocating a particular 
worldview that I think would be really not okay with with our host church. You know, um, if you're hosting someplace else, then you know do you can do what you have more liberty and more freedom. But we just tried to be very very mindful of the fact that we were we were being guests in this person's house, and so as if they are offering us hospitality, it's our responsibility to be good guests. So maybe, you know, don't leave a bunch of tracks behind that would would advocate something that is not okay with with the host facility. Right. And you not only have that diversity of ideas and beliefs that come in with parents, but students that come in and share that as well, which is a whole nother issue that needs to be overseen, but with compassion and understanding and a great deal of wisdom. Gina, you not only oversaw the co-op, but you also served on the board of the homeschooling organization. Share with us, if you will, some of the strengths or weaknesses of the particular model of the the board that you have served on. Um, One of the things that I think happens, and it's actually something that we're seeing in the business community right now, um, the, the, the idea of brain drain. So if you have people who have been working together, um, so you've, I'm homeschooling my kid for 13 years or whatever, and I've, I've been in this, and I've been doing this, and I've been doing that. And so for the last, so maybe six or seven years, I'm in a position where I'm on the board of directors and I'm organizing the co-op and I'm doing all of this stuff and I'm working with somebody else who's directing the play and she's been doing that for, you know, another five, six, seven years or whatever. And then you come to a a point where you're done. You really do need to make sure that you're paying it forward to younger people and bringing them into the organization so that it's not like, oh, everybody who knew what was going on is, has just retired. Um, And that, that is something that we see in the business world a lot. You know, um, somebody had this job for 25 years. There's no way that that person has an idea of all the stuff that they actually do because there's just stuff that they do by rote. They're not paying any attention to it. It's just like, oh, it's October. I always do this in October. Well, nobody knows that you're doing this and then, you know, that you magically do it in October because it's not written down anywhere. It's not communicated in any way, shape, or form to anybody else to know that this is, you know, this is an important thing that has to happen. And so if you are in a homeschool group, I think that communication is is a is a key and getting involvement from different people is really important because if you have a narrow group of friends who are doing it if you say oh we're a narrow group of friends and the you know the five of us went to high school together and now we're having our we're raising our kids together and that's great and we've got this little group then that's one thing but if you start bringing in friends of friends and you're still just this tiny little locus of you know five people, and you're starting to organize stuff for everybody else. It can be it can be difficult because you you want to do things your way, the way you've always done it, and other people want a voice in in what they're what they're participating in as well. They've got ideas about what things they might like to do. Um, so if you if you were doing it, I would. At a certain point, I, it makes sense to um, to go the route of organizing a nonprofit. 
um, if if this is if if this is something that you would like to see continue for a period of years, I, it also makes it makes it a lot easier to get donations for things. Um, you know, you talk to um, we've gotten ice cream from the local dairy or sodas from the grocery store, and they'll they'll say, you know, do you have your tax exempt letter? And you bring in your tax exempt letter, and they're happy, and you're happy, and you've got the <laughs> you've got the stuff, and and all is well. Um, so I think that those things are made easier by the, the, uh, development of a 501c3 for, for that kind of thing. Um, and then once you do that, then all of the, all of the things that go along with it, you know, if you've got a board of directors, then kind of what are the term limits of, of the board of directors so that you're cycling people on and off so that more people know what's, what's going on. Um, I think you have, the more people that you have involved, the fewer complaints you might get. I mean, not that we didn't get tons of complaints because that's the nature of what, <laughs> what you do. Uh, there, that's just going to be there. Um, but if you have, if you have that sort of rotation of people on and off that, you know, Hey, oh, I understand why they do this because I was on the board and, and the, the reason we have insurance is that, you know, this kid fell off the, the co-op swing set and we wanted to make sure that we all didn't lose our houses because of, of that you know um so telling that kind of group story is an important part of what goes on and communicating that yes and i'm guessing that we both have borne witness to in in just different places not necessarily just within homeschooling what happens when that communication and that information and those stories as you say don't get passed down you know, years ago, a friend of mine made a, a comment about the changes in group dynamics when you um, that come about because of an increase in size. And when you have smaller groups, you can tend to have a we mentality. And there's a certain point at which growth just changes the dynamics of the, of the mentality, and it turns more into an us versus them, or even if it's an us and them, it's still a significant change in the way that people perceive the dynamics of a, gr of a group. And you just can't function in an organization with 150 members the same way that you do with 15. It's just never going to work. With that in mind, what are some of the things that you would recommend that people look at either because they are growing, they've reached a certain point, or even if they're still kind of in that we size of a group, to be able to be mindful of as they continue to grow that they can put in place to have sustainable growth. Yeah, absolutely. And it is it is something that is just an inevitable, nav, uh, something that groups have to navigate. I think it's important to, to not see it as our group is failing because this has happened. No, this is this is a natural evolution of what happens in in groups, and it it doesn't it's not good or bad. It it's just a, a fact of life. It is and is the way it happens. Um, but I think that the more the more communication that you can develop, the better off you are. But also within the on the part of the we, like the 15 of you who started out, um, I think there is that moment when you do have to just hold your hands out and say, you know, this is, this is, 
I can't hold on to it tightly anymore because if I want it to, to grow, if I want it to flourish, I can't hold it in the palm of my hand. You know, it's the same, it's the same thing that happens with our kids. You, you, you can't just keep them in your house for the rest of eternity. You know, you have to let them go on about their business and, and grow and develop on their own. And I think that that, that metaphor happens in groups, particularly homeschool groups because parents are going to age out as their kids get older and move on. And there will be younger families that are wanting to become part of something because they've got a seven-year-old or a 12-year-old and they're looking for, for friends and a sense of community. And that is one of the incredible gifts that homeschool groups can give to, to people. Yes, that reminds me, Les McEwen has a book called Predictable Success, and in that he talks about that you reach a certain point that you decide that you're either going to stay small or you're going to grow. And if you're going to grow, you're going to have to do some things differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very true. And there, there just is that moment where it, it grow or die, and it's it's a hard it's a hard thing and those are those are difficult times to kind of navigate through but if if everyone works as hard as they can to communicate the best that they can you have the the best odds of long-term success going through it i think and so what are some of the advantages that you have seen not just in your own family but you have seen in other families that when they people do put in the work to come together and to do things, whether it's a formal organized co-op or um, whether it's play, whatever it is. When people say, hey, we're going to be a part of a community here and not just our our own selves, what are some of the advantages that you have seen that that has brought, not just to the parents, but what have you seen that that has taught the children? Oh my gosh, the the kids benefit so much from this sort of engagement in a, in a homeschool community. So, um, I'm, I'm homeschooling an only kid and I want my kid to have a, you know, some friends and I want my kid to have a sense of, of belonging to something that's not just, you know, Oh, it's, you know, you and me, and here we are at home again. Um, and so we, we got involved in co-op when he was very young. And the, the fun thing about the way that worked out for our family he literally graduated high school with kids that he went to kindergarten with, you know, like homeschool kindergarten, but they really had known each other since they were five. And so it was this, it was this lovely thing, you know, they weren't all the best of friends. Like we, none of us were the best of friends with every kid that we graduated with from high school, but they, they had relationships that had extended for this long period of time. And they, they have been with each other as they've, you know, grown up and done all of these things. Um, there, for instance, when we first started, there was a huge um, speech and debate community. And we saw that kind of dwindle away as there were fewer people that wanted to do that. But there is also a great, um, there was a theater department that kind of developed. Um, another person was within the homeschool community, uh, did choir. And she actually spun that off into her own 
um, nonprofit that she's she does now. And so all these homeschool kids go over and and sing in a choir together. Um, I I just see that there has been such a rich development of friendships and all of these things that that you'll hear. Oh, but your kid's homeschooled, so your kid's not going to get to go to prom. And I'm like, nope, sorry, my kid went to prom twice. You know, oh, well, he's not going to have any homeschool. You know, they don't have dances. I'm like, nope, they do have dances. Um, been to, you know, umpteen, umpteen dances here. Uh, oh, well, what about, you know, it can't be in a play. It's like, okay, first off, we have a, a, a group that does theater here. But within the larger community, we also have lots of homeschool kids that are involved in theater. So, yeah, they can they can do that. And they'll meet people in those organizations that are homeschool kids that are doing the same thing that they are. So, but this homeschool group that, that we've been part of really has done, just offered this amazing bunch of activities for our kids. And it has been, it's been really astounding to, to see all of the different things, you know, if, if I just, you know, keep with the list, you know, Oh, we had a geography fair. We've had science fairs. We've, you know, we've regular theater. We have literature classes. We, you know, all of these different things that we've had lab classes, all of these different things that we've come together to do. And the fact that there is an organizational structure that kind of coordinates that has been really great. And I love the fact that you said that we come together because there's no like organization except for the people that come together to make that happen, right? And right. so that's one of the things is like, none of that happened. None of those science fairs or dances or plays or speech, none of that happened that people said, either we want this to happen, let's get together and figure out a way to make it happen. Or they had stepped into something that had already been built and said, okay, we're going to continue to invest in work to move this forward. So it's it's not a okay, we'll just drop them off <laughs> and right. somebody else is going to go make that happen. Right. It's not somebody else's problem. It really is your problem. Yeah. And they're they're, they're <laughs> yeah. your kids and you're responsible <laughs> for that. You have to put in the effort. But you know, you, uh, what kind of parent doesn't put in the effort at some point? You know, you're going to put it in one place right. or the other. So yeah, if you if it means that this year you are the one that's figuring out what the theme for prom is going to be and what kind of little favors they're going to have and what the decorations are going to look like, then, then that's, that's the way you can contribute to the overall success of this. And, you know, when you see how much the kids love these different things that they're doing, it, it makes it a lot easier to want to step up and, and provide those, those things for your kids. Yes, and one of the benefits of having different activities and programs that kids can be involved in is it addresses one of the downsides, potential downsides of home education, because every educational model does have its pros and cons. And if we're going to do our, our jobs well and to make good educational decisions for our children, we have to be able to acknowledge and deal with the pros and cons. And one of the strengths of homeschooling can also become its weakness. And that is because you can tailor an education to each child and to each family, it can create a dynamic where kids inadvertently get the idea that the world is going to revolve around them and is going to be tailored towards them. 
and they're going to be in for a rude awakening to find out it doesn't work that way. So learning from an early age to be a part of other programs where I have to show up when somebody else says so and and I have responsibilities that other people give can be a tremendous advantage to students that may not be readily seen from the outset. Gina, what are some of the things that people who are considering or might want to just go ahead and be prepared for stepping into a leadership position? What are some of the things that they can be thinking about so that they can serve in those positions well? Um, I think you have to really talk to your family and get some buy-in from the family on on that um, because there there will inevitably be times like when I'm when I was organizing co-op um, that you're just you have to get things you have to get things done you have to be there earlier you have to stay later you have to um, deal with a problem that has has come up. Um, so if you don't have some family buy-in, then it creates a, a a dynamic where, well, my mom's doing, you know, why is mom doing all of this this kind of thing? And so you want to make sure that everybody's on the on the same page with that. Um, and I see that with a lot of families and the activities that become family activities. You know, there's the there are the people that are involved in the basketball team, and that is something that then the family buys into that we're going to be doing this basketball thing. Um, like with the with the play, with younger siblings of people who are in the play, there's the the buy-in um, from this, like uh, grandparents. Would you be willing to do childcare for the three-year-old so that I can be over here? with the 16 year old, you know, that, that sort of thing. I, I, I've been asked to, to help with costumes or I've been helped asked to help with sets, but I can't do that and still negotiate the four-year-old or the eight-year-old necessarily. And so those types of, those types of family discussions are really important. Um, but also when you're having those discussions, you know, if not me, then who, you know, there is this, oh, well, uh, you know, there are, cause it's two sides of the same coin. You know, on the one hand, there's the, well, if I don't do it, nobody's going to do it, <laughs> you know? And it's like, well, right. okay. But on the same, uh, by the same token, if I don't do it, nobody's going to do it. You know, there, you know, that, that things can fall apart when nobody wants to volunteer. And so there's a, there's a point like when I was doing co-op, I said, okay, um, Wyatt is going to be graduating. I am not going to be doing co-op after he graduates. So, you know, if anybody wants to learn about this right now, you know, this is the time to, to do this. You, you know, I'm going to be available. Um, and I pretty much said, I'm not, I'm not doing it anymore, you know, and co-op was not going to happen. It was like, eh, okay, if, you know, if you don't want to do it, I'm not going to do it. And there, there was a point at which I had to just be willing to not blink. And then my phone rang and somebody said, you know, I really think that we should keep doing this co-op thing. How much work is it? You know, and I'm like, oh, it's not work at all. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, there's one more in every minute. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> so, um, 
but you know you have to be willing to to walk away from it as well when when you can't do it anymore because that creates an opportunity for somebody else to have that that thing i'll never forget at one point uh somebody said you know i've been blessed by this opportunity for the last couple of years and i think it's time for someone else to be blessed with this opportunity <laughs> and i was like that's a good line i'm going to remember that one i'm going to remembering that <laughs> but but it is true oh, no. you know yes yes exactly so okay anything else that you just want to share with our our listeners um can be related to a leadership role or just specifically home education in general. Any any last minute words of wisdom that you want to leave? Um, I think that if if you are if you are home educating, if you can be involved in groups, it does strengthen your home educational experience. Yes, it might be a pain in the neck sometimes. Yes, it might be a lot of work sometimes. But at the same time, my, you know, our kids got to, to put on robes, put on caps, put on gowns, um, and, and have a graduation that happened because we were all willing to step up and contribute to that. And I, I think that home education becomes better when people do work together to provide that kind of environment for their kids. Well, Janet, you have been a wealth of information, and I know that in our local community, you are very beloved, and you have made a significant contribution um, to, to not just the co-op and through your leadership, but in the lives of so many of the young people that you have taught. It you're, has been, you're very it has been so much fun to, to see them grow up, and I, that, that's one of the great things that... that comes for parents, you know, if you get involved, you see those kids, you know, you'll, you'll see the shy kid who could barely, you know, say anything in class. And suddenly it's like, they won't shut up um, because they have just, <laughs> you know, they've, they've grown and developed and blossomed. Everybody should have the opportunity to see some of that. Yes, absolutely. I totally agree with that. So thank you so much for being here and we look forward. You're welcome back anytime. Well, thank you, Stephanie. Have a great afternoon. Absolutely. Gina has been a wealth of information, and I've been delighted to have her as a guest. Hey, make sure to visit her websites, ginaprosh.com, and you can find the link to that in the show notes. Or also, the other website is onlyschoolers.com, and there's a whole wealth of information there as well. And she um, has a podcast as well for only schoolers. Whether you are a home educator who's just starting out or you've been in the trenches for a long time, or perhaps you are a Christian school educator, I invite you to check out those resources and also to visit my website, stephaniepresents.com. And you can learn more about me and the work that I do to support Christ-centered education whether in Christian schools or in home education. You know, I close every podcast episode with this statement because it is true, and you never want to take it for granted. You have an impact that is immeasurable, eternal, and irreplaceable. And that's why it's so important that to maximize that for good, you commit to thinking deeply 
living intentionally, and engaging fully in God's grand story. And that's what I hope you'll continue to do. I will see you next time.